0: This is the OTP presented by Farm Bureau Health Plans. Get the home field advantage with healthcare coverage from Farm Bureau Health Plans. They've been protecting Tennesseans since 1947. Mike Keith with Amy Wells. Amy, how are you?
1: Mike, I'm so good. How are you?
0: I'm really excited about our guest. And and I want to I want to introduce him and this could, I could make this introduction like an hour. David Keith has been in so many movies and television shows. Here's some of my favorites. Baker, The Rose, Heartbreak Hotel, Firestarter, Daredevil, The Great Santini, The Lords of Discipline, Behind Enemy Lines, The Indian in the Cupboard, and one for which he's maybe, maybe best known, an officer and a gentleman, TV series, Hawaii Five O, Regular Role, Law & Order, I even remember Co-Ed Fever, which was his first TV series. He won't, he won't even know I remember that. David Keith, welcome to the official Titans podcast, the OTP. I can't believe you brought up Co-Ed Fever. Boy, that was bad. When you're someone's cousin, you've seen <laughs> everything they've done.
1: Well, Mike, you took my first question. I want to know exactly how you guys are related, because there might be a little confusion.
2: Our grandfathers were brothers. OK.: Our grandfather, Keith. And my grandfather was about 16, I think, when my uncle Gilmer, Mike's grandfather, was born, and so and their parents died not long after that. So the older siblings in that family and I think there were 11 I'm not sure, I may be wrong 11, 13, nine, but what it was a bunch of them. And the older ones raised the younger ones. So my papa was almost like a dad to, uh, to my uncle Gilmer.
0: He was. He actually forced him, it was during the depression, my grandfather had dropped out of school cause he had to go to work. And your grandfather forced him to come live with him so he would finish high school. And think about how that changed his life because he got a great job with General Foods and had a successful career and, and kind of, you know, passed along good things to the rest of our family. And so, yeah, it's a good family story. They were two of 13. David's granddad was second. My granddad was 13th. Whoa! So that was the difference. I think Uncle Fred was first. Was he the oldest? Yes. Okay. So there you go, Amy. That's more than you and the rest of the OT people wanted to know.
1: (laughs) I don't think that's true. I think that's a great family story.
0: When I told everybody that David was going to do the podcast, they said... You've got to ask him about Major League Two and the Jack Parkman shimmy. Do you get more people ask you about Jack Parkman than any other character at this part of your life? I guess now that the officer and the gentleman
2: people are all in nursing homes. <laughs> <laughs> what I used to get all the time was bodacious set of tatas, which was a line I actually uh, threw in myself. It uh, was a different, different line. I, I threw that in. Or did you really swallow the ring? That, th- those two things from officer. But from, from young men, they want me to do the Parkman shimmy, like basketball <laughs> games. And, and uh, you know, the, the, they've got a big head of me, and, and some of the students have seen that. Most the kid, college kids now are remembering from, from Indian in the cupboard. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, I want to stick with Major League Two for a second, because I've seen a lot of sports movies. And I always wonder... Can people in these movies actually play the sports that they are portraying? Like in Major League Two, there had to be some people who were legit good at baseball and some people who really weren't. Who were some of those people?
2: None of the actors on the team were, were not good at baseball. Most everybody had played, I guess, in their youth, but they certainly, you know, they were fine at practice. I mean, we had some minor league players that were extras. And we weren't up to their caliber. But uh, the hardest time I had was I hadn't gotten a, uh, a new prescription of my contacts. And so I'd go to practice with my glasses on, hit the ball great. And then it came time, you know, in front of when the cameras are rolling and I have my contacts in. It'd be, it was really cold at night in Camden Yards. And the contacts were like sticking to my eyelids. And I stood there at the plate whiffing it over and over, finally connected and put it in the outfield. So...
1: Oh, no. Eyes are so important in baseball. You don't think about it.
2: And if I'd only thought ahead of time, man, it would save me some embarrassment.
1: You have some baseball skills, but you're really a football fan, right?
2: I've always said basketball is my favorite sport. Football is my religion.
1: I love that. I might steal that, actually.
2: You know, the University of Tennessee football in my household was too important to enjoy. I mean, if the Vols lost on Saturday, you didn't go around my dad till about Wednesday you know, when you knew the next game was coming up. I mean, it was, it it was really bordering on nuts. You know, it was, it was, it was like having a distant relative in major surgery every Saturday.
1: (laughs) So you can imagine how I
2: feel these days.
1: Is it true that you had a role on like within the Tennessee Vols program and maybe the Dallas Cowboys program?
2: Oh, I'll tell you the whole story. So In 1967, when I was 13 years old and my dad had been taking me some games, it it just wasn't enough to sit in the stands. That's part of my personality, just overdue, overdue. Anyway, so I got a job as an equipment manager when I was 13, and then I played my last season of football the following year and then went back as an equipment manager and continued to work until uh, 71 when I was a junior in high school. So I worked the games and the practices. I was Bill Battle's ball boy when he was the receiver's coach before he became the head coach. And it was so much fun. And I got hit, especially when you were practicing with the smaller bowl squad and the managers had to like play cornerback with an air shield. I got knocked all over the place. But it was <laughs> it was a real joy. And then when I became a little bit of a celebrity, Doug Dickey invited me to come back to the games and I said, I really want to be on the sidelines. So he hooked me back up with the old uh, manager's coach, George Cafago. And uh, they gave me a coach's uniform and I was on the sidelines until I guess 2007 or eight with the Tennessee football team. I had to put my movie contracts that I had to be, I had to be finished by, you know, Friday evening so I could make a flight back. If I was in Canada or the continental United States, I had to make a flight back to to every Tennessee game. And a lot of movies shot on Saturday back then. So I had to be scheduled out on Saturday. And then when Bill Bates got on the sidelines with the Cowboys, he got me on the sidelines with the Cowboys. And they had me down there for a few games. They said, look, you're not allowed to be down here without some kind of job. So I carried one of those gigantic old video uh, recorders for KXAS out of, of Fort Worth on my shoulder, carried that around for a season. And then Tom Landry's final season, Greg Illo, who was director of operations at the time, got me a job carrying Tom Landry's headphones and standing next to Tom Landry through the whole game. And, it, I mean, there were so many, it was a terrible season. And his last season, and it ended in such heartbreak with him getting fired. But one of the amazing things that I remember is he would, he would call the receivers. He'd call a timeout if things weren't working. He'd call the receivers over and the quarterback, and he'd take a piece of paper and a Sharpie and redesign the pass routes, send them back in, completion, completion, touchdown, completion, completion, touchdown. It was amazing. Another tidbit that I I want to impart to all football receivers, he would say never jump when the ball is coming at you unless you've got to, you know, high point it and catch it. Never have your body going perpendicular to the path of the ball because it just adds another movement and adds another element to the possible inaccuracy of the throw. But I see players do that all the time. You know, they were really to go across the middle and they leave their feet. And, and so their body's going this way and the ball hits it, bounce, bounces off.
1: Can I just hit on something real quick? Did you say that you wrote into your movie contracts, like it was a real thing that you had to be at these games?
2: Well, I didn't personally write it. My lawyer did, but yeah. Well,
1: right. Wow. <laughs> ever a time you had to turn something down or maybe not be a part of something?
2: No, but they wouldn't agree to it in Major League Two because they would fill the stadium with 30,000, not fill, but they put thirty thousand fans, well, I guess it was full, in Camden Yards uh, on Saturdays because when people were off from work, that's when we had to shoot all the big, wide masters of baseball games and so forth. And uh, so I missed four games that season, and uh, it was very painful, but... They were very nice. They put the Tennessee games on the jumbotron so that I could watch them, you know, in between shots. And uh, I remember one time I took, I didn't get along with the first assistant director on that. And I I left one Saturday morning, flew home to Knoxville, got off the plane. And they said, Mr. Keith, you have a message from your movie company. You have to get right back on your plane. They need you for a shot. So I fly back up there. And they needed me running out of focus, running from second to third in the background of a shot. That's all they needed. And I had to miss the Tennessee-Alabama game. Oh, oh That's brutal. i am never forgiven him.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I get it. Well, I assume that not everyone in Hollywood is as fanatical about football as you are, but oh. there must be some actors who are. Who are some of those actors who care about sports? Specifically, football as much as you.
2: Well, I none as much as me. <laughs> I mean, I would venture to say that no one has ever been so adamant that they would have a clause put in the contract like that. That's right. a power but,
1: move.
2: You know, Charlie Sheen likes Notre Dame because his dad liked Notre Dame. So we sometimes we'd watch the Tennessee game in his bus, and then we'd watch the Notre Dame game. Or at one time, <laughs> Tennessee was killing Kentucky. And the game was almost over. The Notre Dame game was starting on another channel. And he switched over to the Notre Dame game. And it just killed me. I wanted to see a score another touchdown.
0: (laughs) Here's what's cool about David, though. He's got all these great stories. You have a Music City Miracle story. You were at Nissan Stadium for the Music City Miracle. Every great Titans fan has a Music City Miracle story. And you are no exception. Yeah, I
2: was sitting in your dad's seats. God bless him. The best seats in the house. The problem was I believed that it was a forward pass. I was positive it was a forward pass. So I was not cheering. I was not enjoying it. I was sitting there like this going, they're going to call it back. And it's just a matter you know, I start looking for flags. I don't see a flag. Everybody's still going crazy. And then moments later, I started celebrating. But it wasn't the same. Is that feeling you have, you know, when it's real time and you know that's going to happen, you know they're going to win, you know it's a touchdown. So I was robbed of that because I just saw it as a forward pass.
0: I still think it's close. Close. Everybody in Buffalo thinks it was, but everybody else thinks we got it. That's oh, That's okay. <laughs> the way that works. Why have you become so attached to the Titans, David? See, I quit
2: the Cowboys when they fired Landry. The Cowboys were almost, I was almost as crazy about them as, as the Vols. And But when they fired Tom Landry and I couldn't pull for him at the time, it just killed me. And I actually got to mention that to Jerry Jones. I, I said, you know, you, you ruined every Sunday for me for the rest of my life. And he said, well, if you ever get past this, you got a seat in my box. 20 years later, I'm shooting something in, in Dallas, and Bill Bates is going to do the coin toss. Bill invites me to come with him. I go up to Jerry on the sideline. I said, you remember our last conversation? He said, it's coming back to me. I said, well, you still got a seat in that box? He said, absolutely. So the, the, the family uh, allows me in their box when I want to go to a Cowboy game. So, But anyway, I digress as usual. For the, the Oilers to come to, to Tennessee was such a great feeling for me. One, because Eddie George was on the team. And I was a huge fan of Eddie George's. In fact, when Eddie when Eddie was at a high state and he won the Heisman Trophy, and Tennessee beat them in the uh, not the Gator Bowl. What was the other bowl? Citrus Bowl. Was it the Citrus? What? Oh, I thought it was in Tampa. Anyway, so he is had the worst game of his career. He's coming off. He's surrounded by press, and he's pushing them away, pushing cameras away. And I knife through him in my Tennessee garb, and I grabbed him by the jersey, and I said, "You are a great." football player you're one of the greatest football players in the world and you're you have a huge future in front of you and you need to put this day behind you and forget about it and move on you've got a great future in the NFL and that actually came back to me a few years later because he was with somebody in LA telling that story because the guy he was telling it to was the producer of a show I was doing so that came back and Eddie and I became friends and hung out a little bit in Nashville after that but Them coming there gave me a real true Sunday experience, another football, Tennessee football experience. So I I was a a fan from day one. I kind of like the Oilers anyway. I love those light blue jerseys, and I love it when the Titans wear light blue. But um, yeah, it was just it was the greatest thing in the world to have Sundays. So I've been a fan, huge fan.
1: I know you get connected to head coaches. What is it about Mike Vrabel that you like?
2: Vrabel is a stud and the whole team knows it. And that is a real primal thing between a coach and his players. None of them would want to fight him. I mean, they, they might whip him, but they would be rough and they would not come out unscathed. That's a fundamental thing. I, I made a couple other notes here about him. His demeanor on the sidelines, it, he, he's, just, his, he, he's calm. He has strength with emotion. And you can just see the camaraderie with his players. You can see how much he cares about them. He's their friend. He's not just their coach. He's
0: their friend. And, buddy, you play a lot harder for a friend than you do for a coach. Amy knows this. When I do the games, Amy, Amy does sidelines with us. I turn my phone off during the game. But the first thing I do when the game ends is I turn my phone back on, and that's – not only for family in case something has gone on, but also to kind of see what's happening in the locker room and just to connect. Generally, one of the first texts I've gotten is from David Keith. And normally it revolves around Derrick Henry somehow, some way. I don't think there is a bigger Derrick Henry fan in America than David Keith. We can't give it to Derrick Henry enough for you, David. Is that accurate? I struggle with this all the time because I
2: want to protect him. They've got – they can't do what, what the New Jersey generals and Trump did to Herschel Walker. You know, they, they, they can't they, – but, my gosh. You know, intimidation is a defense. That's what they're supposed to do. But with Henry – a Henry offense is an intimidating offense. Now you've got a defense that's worrying about him all the time. They're worrying about getting beat. And as they get beat slowly through the day, they don't just get damaged physically. They get damaged emotionally, psychologically. They start to doubt themselves. And that is just a crucial tool for an offense to have. Um, you, can, you can imagine being on the defense and wondering if you're the next guy that's going to get, you know, shoved to the ground like a little child. And and that's just – he's just a weapon that can't be ignored. And, and particularly, you know, I, I – During the Ravens game, one of the texts I, you know, I loved winning the game, but we should have never even been to overtime. We kicked three field goals, that at least two of which could have been first downs or touchdowns. I mean, throwing the ball on second and five inside the ten—what? It's
0: four down territory.
2: (laughs) It's four down territory. And throwing the ball on third and two with Derrick Henry—it's four down territory. You tell me that Derrick Henry can't get you five yards in three runs. You tell, tell me he can't get you two yards and two runs, no way. So I don't want him abused, but I want him used more often. Now, play action, I think, is, is another thing. You know, when they'll hit the line once or twice early in the game with Henry, and, and then here they come with the fun and gun, you know, five wide, no empty backfield, and I just go, oh, no. Now everybody knows what they're going to do. But when he's back there and, you know, <laughs> I love Tanney Hill, but sometimes that fake to Derek Henry ain't much of a fake. It's kind of like <laughs> I mean, kind of pokes the ball like somewhere in the general six feet from Henry and then goes back to throw. But when he puts it in his gut and pulls it back out, that whole defense is suckered because they have to be, because they're snake bit. You know, even before they we've played a team, they're snake bit from watching him. And that's that's a that's a great place to put a defense in. Is he a legitimate MVP candidate in your opinion, David? He is. He is. You know, it's going to be tough with Mahomes and 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 uh, and uh, Ben Roethlisberger having the kind of year they're having, but he's so much more instrumental in in the Titans' success than other running backs or any position for that matter. And I I I think he is a legitimate candidate. And it remains to be seen what happens the rest of the season. But if it keeps going like it's going now, yeah.
0: He'd have my vote. So let me ask you a movie question about him. Eddie George has gone to Hollywood and done some things. Do you think Derek Henry might have some sort of career in him? He's good, good looking guy, big guy, well-known guy. Would they stick him in a, in an action movie somewhere? Well, you have to be able to act. So. And, well, that's true. And, yeah. and,
2: and, and you can't, I mean, there are people who just can't get a line out. I mean, they're just, it just doesn't work. It's, nothing against them it's just they they don't know how to deliver a line and that's it has nothing to do with intelligence either uh, trust me <laughs> <laughs> i've never met a football player that didn't want to be an actor and i've never met an actor that didn't want to be a football player but <laughs> it doesn't mean we can do it i noticed in the questions you sent me you mentioned jj what you know he was great on snl oh yeah he, he, mm-hmm. he was a good actor on snl and i thought mm-hmm. man i wish i had a, a way to send him a a message, you know, saying you were really good and this is something you should consider. You know, I wanted to say that to him.
0: Oh, I've got the Duncan reader here, don't I?
1: Talk about delivering a line. I'm <laughs> sorry, I'm
0: not delivering a line very well. Hey, Titans fans, get get a kick before kickoff with Duncan DD Perks members can score four times the points on any beverage purchase every Titans game day during the regular season when you order ahead on the Duncan app. Download the Dunkin' app today and order ahead for in-store carryout or drive-thru pickup for a quick contactless experience. Just use your phone to order and pay. Make Dunkin' part of your game day ritual and score four times the points to help keep you running all season long. Titans fans run on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Limited time offer. Exclusions apply.
1: David, I want to ask you about wide receiver A.J. Brown. Who does he remind you of?
2: You know, I thought and thought about that because I was searching the NFL. And, you know, Calvin Johnson is 6'5. I mean, he's, he was kind of, he and Larry Fitzgerald were the first one that comes to mind because of how thick and strong he is. I didn't realize he was only one. That really surprised me. I thought he was at least 6'3. And, uh, but he's what, 220, 225? He's a powerful guy. I and mean, He could play running back. But I tell you, I came up with a name. And uh, it, it, it came from that, that touchdown run that tied the game against the Baltimore Ravens. When he broke four tackles and drove that safety into the end zone, he looked like Jawan Jennings, the Tennessee Vol. That's what Jawan did on a daily basis. And I hope he'll do it for the 49ers one day. That he's on the practice squad now, but he didn't have the speed that A.J. has. But uh, that power,
0: the lower body power, David, what's your theory about why the Ryan Tannehill thing has worked so well in Nashville after it did not work out for him as well in Miami? You know, that is the question of the day. I mean,
2: he, he's a great quarterback. Who knew? He's so cool in the pocket. He reads the defenses extraordinarily well. He's got a very good arm. He's mobile. But, you know, I got to say, when you got Derrick Henry in the
0: backfield takes a little of pressure off of you. They didn't have anybody like that. That's true. It always goes back to Derrick Henry with you, doesn't it? Well, I mean, <laughs> it's the truth. <laughs> but yes. It's not wrong. I, I, I love your consistency. That's what makes me so happy. Hey, when it comes to your health care coverage, you should be the one to make the call. So call Farm Bureau Health Plans. They've been protecting Tennesseans since 1947.
1: David, who jumps out to you on the Titans' defense? Do you watch outside of the ball or just Derrick Henry?
2: No, 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 of course not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if they put him on, if they, he'd be a hell of a linebacker. Um, <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: You got to say Harold Landry um, because of how, how you know, his tackles for loss, sacks and so forth. But what jumps out to me is the whole defense. This is a bend but don't break defense. They can give you a heart attack. They make you sick at your stomach. And then here they come like the cavalry at the end. And save the day. One of the things that, that I really love about them are these timely interceptions and pass breakups. Man, when we when the other team is really rolling, you know that an interception or, or a you know third down pass breakup is coming. So so I, I love the way they bend and don't break. I love the way they play together. I love Bayard. I love uh, I love Butler, and uh, you know the, the, I think they're a unit
0: rather than you know a couple of stars here and there. David Keith is our special guest on the OTP presented by Farm Bureau Health Plans. David, who are other NFL teams and players that you like watching in 2020? Who do you enjoy? I love watching
2: Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill. I love it. I, Patrick Mahomes, it looks like a little schoolyard kid out there having the best time of his life, and nobody, it reminds me of Holloway, the way he runs around and uh, when people can't get to him, and then to make the plays and the throws that he can make. And I was just, just watching, um, was it uh, Carlton Davis on the, you know, I was talking about an intimidating offense and how it breaks the spirit of defense. I don't know if you watched the game, but there was a shot of, of, of uh, Carlton Davis sitting on the sidelines with hanging his head because he'd just been completely and utterly humiliated by Tyree Kill. I hope he did not hear that and come looking for me i think the two of them are amazing to watch i like watching the raiders because john uh, gruden and i have been friends for years i met him on the sidelines when he was a graduate assistant tried to get him to come to knoxville i was texting i was wearing his phone out trying to get him to come down here and coach the vols they didn't have the money i watched the cowboys and you know i'm hurting for for charlotte and and uh, and and the, the the family who i've become friends with and uh, you know, it's there's just I don't think they've got the right coach.
1: Well, so what are some of your thoughts on the eight and three Cleveland Browns?
2: You know, I haven't watched the Browns this year at all, but Baker Mayfield at six-one, at I mean, he's the key to stopping him, is stopping him. So you've got to get an immediate push by the defense. So he's got that wall in front of him in the pocket. If you don't get a quick push, then he'll you know, he can throw over you and make very accurate, good throws. But when he's really trouble is when he comes out of the pocket. I would say containment is as important as a defensive push, as a defensive pass rush uh, for the Browns. I think that's, I think, you know, keeping him from running around and making these crazy plays, a la Patrick Mahomes. I, uh, I think that's the key to stopping him. David, when are you going to play football coach in a movie? Well, I thought I was going to get the get that. Uh, that uh, movie that Matthew McConaughey played the coach in, I thought I was going to get the other coach, the Bobby Bowden role, and I, I didn't get the role. But, uh, yeah, I'd love to do that. Oh, my gosh, that'd be so much fun. So much fun.
1: Before you go, is there any way that being an actor, you are able to embody a role, and you're very familiar with Mike Keith, you know, just as a character. Um, could you do a Mike Keith Touchdown Titans impersonation?
2: I do it all the time on Sundays in my house. I, I think my neighbors can probably hear me from inside. <laughs> Literally. I mean, I, the, the screams are ridiculous and now I'm out on my back deck. So I know they're going to hear that, but touchdown Titans.
1: Yay! That was great. Ah,
0: that's strong.
1: That's good. That was strong. It's in the genes.
2: You have to be a Keith. I'm sorry. I understand why you demure when, uh, when challenged to do that, but I still like to do it. Dogs are howling in the neighborhood. <laughs> 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 what do you have coming up these days? What are you into? The industry, of course, shut down, and uh, in you know, I was supposed to direct and produce a movie, an action movie in um, Atlanta that in April, and we moved it to May, and then um, but then we have shelved that, and you know, who knows if, if it's going to ever happen. I mean, it was rolling. I rewrote the script with the the writer and uh, we had a casting director, we had offers out and, you know, it was, we were in pre, pre production and now it's just on hold. So every once in a while, I'll put a scene on tape
0: and don't get it. <laughs> I mean, your career has been amazing. I, I mean, it really has been. And for you to, uh, Be willing to make your old cousin look good and take a little time and talk some ball with us today. Uh, I really appreciate it. I know Amy does too. And I know uh, all of our listeners to the OTP thrilled to hear your insights. And so if Derrick Henry carries the ball 60 times on Sunday against Cleveland, David Keith will be happy. (laughs) Don't kill him. Don't kill him. That's exactly right. (laughs) That's good stuff. For David Keith and also for Amy Wells, I'm Mike Keith. We thank you for joining us for this edition of the OTP. The big
1: show where the legends go. Everybody knows it's our house. Fighting for Tennessee. Making history. Greatness is meant
0: to be ours now. Hey, we got Titan blood running through our veins.